Two words. Michael Zabala. The very name, whatever its derivation, strikes fear in the heart of sports injuries and envy in the hearts of rival colleges of engineering. Chiseled features, great hair, and a mind primed to shape the future of mechanical engineering inside the classroom and out. His students love him. His colleagues used to teach him. The 2007 Auburn graduate is a biomechanics maestro who dominated the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering's most recent awards presentation, taking home multiple honors, including the Award for Outstanding Mechanical Engineering Faculty Member and the William F. Walker Teaching Award. That's putting the dynamic in dynamics, friends. The student has indeed become the master. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Hello and War Eagle. It is I, once again, Jeremy Henderson, communications specialist in the Office of Communications and Marketing, Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. What a mouthful. You are about to enter the Ginn Zone. I like that. About that. I really like that. Once again, with uh, Austin Phillips, Assistant Director of the uh, Office of Communications and Marketing, and uh, Producer, Director, and all-around good friend, Marcus Klutz, on the keys over here. We are joined by Michael Zabala, Dr. Zabala, Dr. Z, Assistant Professor in Mechanical Engineering here at Auburn we got to get something right out of the gate. we got to settle this. Sure. Zabala. That's right. What kind of name is that? Well, my dad's from Venezuela, so Venezuela. I guess ultimately Spanish. So you, were, you were in Greece. <laughs> I have heard Greece. Oh, see? Uh, I, was, I was informed Zabala. by actual Greeks in Greece that my name was Greek, even though I thought it was Spanish. So. Well, there you go. Well, I, I Greek by way of Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll. And uh, Mike, Michael, Michael. 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 I know you have um, obviously overcome a lot, having graduated from Hoover this is High true. School. It's been a struggle. Go Bucks. Know, so you've come a long way yes, as opposed just, to someone. Just, just for reference, like Jeremy's myself. a rebel. He's <laughs> like a crosstown rebel. Someone like myself. You know, y'all salted our field my uh, sophomore year. Well, that wasn't me. So. I haven't forgotten. Go Bucks. Yeah, sheesh. Anyway, um, tell us about some of the stuff you do. Biomechanics. Sure. First off, you teach a class called Statics and Dynamics. Yes, that's correct. Isn't that just statistics? <laughs> well, it sounds very similar, but I can assure you it's not at all related. <laughs> but people get that mixed up. Yes, people get that mixed up all the time. Well, so what is that? If I'm taking the class, I'm, I'm going in there, what am I going to be learning? Well, uh, by nature of the name, it's really divided into two sections. So the first is Statics. And statics essentially refers to anything that doesn't move or is not supposed to move. And then the second half of the class is focused on dynamics, and that is the forces and motion associated with things that do move. That's kind of – that's like Jeremy and I. That's pretty much. <laughs> statics. We were going to call it statics and dynamics yeah. at first. Dang. Uh, you've won pretty much everything in the world uh, <laughs> award-wise recently. Um I don't know. How does that feel? Take take this, Austin, because you know more about the specifics. Of- yeah, we just had our awards, uh, our spring awards, and you're you, you were know, there. You, so, and and I, 
I believe you got your exercise going up and down to the yes. uh, to the podium. Yeah, a few times. Uh, but that's right. outstanding professor. We'll talk about the kind of honor that is. I mean, that that's college wide. Yeah, that's quite amazing for me. That originates from the students, and so that's really an especially rewarding uh, notification to receive that the students at least think positively about the way that I'm approaching teaching and the way that I organize class. Uh, so to win something like that, and I know we'll probably get to this at some point, but having come from Auburn, gone through Auburn myself, experienced it as a student in their position, that's, like I said, that's just an incredible honor. As a student, I looked this up, from 1997 to 2007 when you graduated? That's right. Correct? Yeah. There were 10 students that graduated from this college with a perfect GPA, and you were one of those? Uh, no, actually. Oh, oh. <laughs> you set me up. <laughs> this this student well, spotlight well, must have I been was, right before the end. I was <laughs> at that point when that article was written, so you uh, you blew my cover here. But I did I did end up with two Bs, unfortunately. So but I'm not complaining. Goodness, what in? What, what does that make? What does that end up? A three nine five. I think it was a three nine eight something around there. Here, the now, first one was in heat transfer. Can, can we cut, cut this one? Cut. This is yeah, not I know. four it's... minutes. Thank you very much, Michael Zabala. <laughs> quite disappointed. <laughs> Outstanding professor with a three point whatever. I mean, what what is what kind of discipline does it take to be able to pull off a three point nine eight in mechanical engineering? Uh, sure. Well, there's a lot of discipline, obviously, but I think there's a little bit of an element of luck that goes into it too, because now in the position that I'm in, where I'm teaching classes and grading. I kind of recognize that if someone has a bad day on a really important exam, that can entirely shoot your ability to get an A in that class. So, yes, absolutely, discipline. I structured my time very carefully. My, my mother would always call me, and she would kind of uh, be uh, give me a hard time about always studying, uh, not doing anything else. I wasn't entirely true, but there was definitely an element of discipline and uh, dedication. But like I said, there, I think – a lot of things went my way, and it worked out pretty well for me. Who's smarter, you or your twin sister? <laughs> Definitely my twin sister. Absolutely, yeah. He, she he uh, knows she's listening. What was her GPA? I can't answer that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, from here, you uh, you went way out west to a little known university called Stanford, uh, and got your master's and your doctorate there. Talk about the decision to go out there to pursue your higher education. Sure. So Stanford was a very different experience than Auburn. Uh, uh, both obviously institutions are, are incredible places to study, but it just gave me a different perspective on education at a university that is so far away and so different than how we do things here. But that opportunity really was somewhat unexpected. I'd encountered a recruiter at a career fair from Stanford and we were chatting and he said, Hey, you should come and visit campus. And my, I made my way out there and kind of fell in love with it and decided to go convinced my uh, my fiance at the time, about to be my wife, that she should go with me. And she ended up agreeing to that, although she was pretty nervous about it too. But it was a great experience. I spent about five years out there. Uh, it's a little bit higher cost of living than Alabama, uh, but it's just a fun place. It's a, it's a great place to, to be and to see all that really Northern California has to offer. Well, talk about your decision to come back to Auburn. Yeah, that was an easy one. I always wanted to come back to Auburn. I think everybody, or at least most of the people that come through Auburn University, tell themselves when they leave that they want to come back. And I was really not an exception. So for me, uh, really from day one, I, I knew that I was had a job to do when I went to Stanford. I needed to get my education. I needed to specialize in biomechanics, my field of interest. But my goal always was to come back and to offer that 
in classes and research to students at Auburn uh, because that's something that I didn't have when I was here. So like I said, I always wanted to come back. I would always keep up. We'd come when I was in California, my wife and I'd come back about once a year. We'd make sure to go to at least a football game a year to get back on campus. Uh, But ultimately, I think both of us wanted to come back permanently. Ten years from now, how will biomechanics, the innovations that are stemming, you know, from this field and this pursuit and the stuff you're doing in the class, the lab every day with the, you know, the stickers on the arms and the, you know, the motions and the videos. There's a lot of them on there. It's good stuff. How is that going to have improved our lives? Like at this point, like or not at this point, but in, like 10 years from now, how will biomechanics have made us all better? If that makes any sense. It does make sense. And I think you kind of have to start with the assumption that what you're working on is for a good reason. And there are a lot of reasons for biomechanics, one of which is injury prevention. So studying how people move to help understand how we can maybe train athletes differently so that they don't become injured. We focus a lot on ACL injury in the lab. That's just one example. We study in detail how soccer players in particular move and land and change directions and lunge to try and understand if we can what mechanisms might result in them say having an ACL tear on the field because nobody wants that obviously it's painful you can't play after it and ultimately it can really hurt the health of your knee so just understanding movement associated with injuries that's really I think one major area the second is for assistance so orthotics is kind of a kind of a a buzz term or a word used with this a lot and powered orthotics. So you can think of exoskeletons. Everybody likes to think of Iron Man on TV, but that's, I think, quite unrealistic at this point. But within 10 years, it is realistic that we'll have some sort of powered assistive devices that respond very quickly to your movements. They actually already exist. There's a lot of work that needs to occur, but that's, I think, a major area in biomechanics that work is happening. We're going to continue to make improvements with the advancement of computer technology and speeds We have to go in, we have to detect muscle activation. We have to do it quick enough to then power a system that can help you move. It's a really fast process on the order of 50 milliseconds. So computers struggle to keep up with that right now. But as everybody knows, the speed of computers is always increasing. So as that happens, we'll have more capability to build devices that can respond more quickly and help people move. The college has a long history of this. Nails Masden, um, you know, had won an Oscar for the technology being used to bring um, Gollum to life in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, we're doing some of this work in ISC with our occupational uh, safety uh, as well. So, talk about the the um, perfect setup to be able to interdisciplinary work and, and take this across platforms and, and not just be in mechanical engineering. Yeah, I think that's the huge benefit that, that I, I receive personally from being in a field such as biomechanics, that's naturally so interdisciplinary. Kinesiology does a lot of work in biomechanics. Dr. Weimer, a couple other researchers, Dr. Roper over in kinesiology. I work uh, with Dr. Roper a good bit. We've obviously got folks here in industrial uh, engineering as well that focus on ergonomics, Dr. Shaw, Dr. Sessick, Dr. Gallagher. So there's a lot of folks doing this type of work. I work with Dr. Denny over at the MRI Research Center. The MRI machine is a really uh, it's a really convenient tool for us as biomechanists uh, to be able to see inside the joints, look at ligaments, look at the surface of the joints, detect the health, whether or not someone has osteoarthritis, doing all of that before we bring them into the gate lab and measure how they move. So naturally, the field in and of itself, it lends itself well to interdisciplinary work. Obviously, the connection with medicine, working with orthopedic surgeons, 
physicians that interact directly. We do a lot of work with the VCOM school here in Auburn. And so it just, uh, it works really well. It's nice to have a lot of different perspectives. Us as engineers think very differently than physicians. They approach a problem quite differently. So it's always good to have those different perspectives. And biomechanics is definitely a field that benefits from that. How in the world did you convince folks to let you do this travel abroad Italy trip coming up? It was actually easier than you might think. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so this trip, I don't, I guess I can, can introduce. Yeah. Let's this. talk about it. Right. Sure. So I guess I'll start from the beginning. So when I was in graduate school at Stanford, I knew that a couple of my professors that taught biomechanics related courses had gone to Florence, Italy, and had, had taught on the Renaissance. So I knew there was some sort of connection there, but I hadn't really looked into it that much. And so when I joined the faculty here at Auburn, I started thinking more about it started looking more into this idea of combining biomechanics and art and the Renaissance, which uh, came out of Florence, Italy. And the more I looked into it, the more sense it made. And then I would discuss it with some of my students and they all got really excited about the idea. And the more we looked into it, the more it just made sense. And I started coming up with different lecture ideas and the feedback was just always positive from the students before it was really even publicly announced. I think I had somewhere around eight students that wanted to sign up at that point in time. So the support was there from the beginning. Thankfully, the College of Engineering and the Dean's Office has been incredibly supportive with the idea. It's somewhat novel. It's, it's different. It's not that it's entirely new, the idea of combining art and science or art and engineering, but uh, it's new around here. And I think it's just been received really well everywhere from the level of the Dean's Office all the way to the student level. All the way to the uh, videographer. I know someone else is pretty excited about it. Apparently, I'm going to go over there for seven days himself. Yeah, I've had to twist Marx's arm to get him to come along for a week to document. And how long? Yeah, how how long is it going to be? Three months? No, it's one. So it starts one week here in Auburn, and it's four weeks in Florence. Four weeks. So it follows the mini semester course here here at Auburn. Yeah, Marcus has only mentioned it about ten times today. So I mean, no big deal. Going back to the student spotlight, I know we we joked about this before we went on air. Black belt. Talk about that. That's a biomechanics right <laughs> exactly. there. Well, that's a little bit of a relic that that was uh, back when I was in high school primarily and younger than that. I think that was one of those things that had stuck around on my resume uh, throughout when I was here as an undergrad in, in, uh, at Auburn. And somebody probably in a department just like this contacted me and asked me for some details. And that, I guess, popped up at some point. So it still follows me, I suppose. Um, you're a relatively young professor here. Um, Talk about being able to balance taking on a project like this, uh, uh, study abroad, but still being able to uh, do everything you need to do for your faculty ascension um, and, and class instruction and, and your research and everything to be able to balance all that. Sure. So this is where I really need to give a lot of credit to my graduate students and not just graduate students, undergraduate students that also do research in the lab. All of my students are great. They're all very self-motivated. They do a lot of really good work. Um, I don't, I find myself not having to spend an inordinate amount of time directly with the students for every single issue or detail that might come up. So they're all very well driven and they just perform at a really high level. And because of that, that allows me to, to adopt more items, if you will, to expand the different areas that I can do work in to do something like develop a study abroad class where otherwise I might have to spend more time directly intervening with certain research or or things like that. But I really do have a fantastic team of people that work around me and that just get a lot done 
uh, a lot of the time. And like I said, it's not, it's not just graduate students, it's undergraduate researchers as well. I know that there are a few of them in, that won some awards the other night as well for some of the research they're doing in leadership. Uh, Auburn produces some really good students, and I've just been lucky to have some of them work in my lab and contribute to the growth of the lab over the past two and a half years. Our engineering global programs have really grown. If this is really relatively successful, is this something that you would continue to like to grow there or maybe other locations? What, what do you see for the future of the, your program in, in particular? Well, for me, I would I would just enjoy if I got to offer this on an annual basis to students. So currently, we're taking sixteen students for this for this class and Marcus <laughs> plus Marcus. That's right. <laughs> but I'd like to continue it in future years. I know there uh, there have been some sort of low level discussions about maybe we can truncate this down to a two week version, maybe offer an alumni version of this course, which I think would be pretty interesting. Uh, but primarily, my focus is on the students and offering this to them. Uh, unfortunately, I had more students interested this time than we could take, and so I expect to have a similar amount uh, next year that wants to come along. So as long as the interest is there, I'm going to continue to offer it. Maybe eventually we can expand it to the the entire summer. Right now, it's a lot of material packed in five weeks. It's a mini semester course, so it's a it's a lot of information. Well, so, like, what's one of the classes? What when if I'm if I'm going over there, what's Mark is going to be learning? Well, so the class is divided primarily into two sections, one of which is biomechanics associated with different art forms. So for instance, upper limb kinematics while playing a violin. That's one example. Or muscle activation patterns uh, while playing the cello and how that might differ between a novice and an expert. The other half of the class is focused more or less on key historical figures that came out of Italy, came out of Florence, and in particular came out of the Renaissance that influenced engineering in the modern sense. So people like uh, Brunelleschi, who designed the dome in Florence, who was an engineer that really was the first to come up with and to use this concept of perspective. Artists weren't even using perspective in their drawings before this engineer came up with it first. And obviously perspective is something that's used a lot in engineering drawings today. So we're going to study folks like that. We're going to study their influences their connections to art, Leonardo da Vinci. We're going to do an entire lecture on I've da Vinci. Yeah. He's he was a Ninja Turtle. Yeah, he's a- that's exactly right. Yeah, I think he was the blue one. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Swords. But, uh, but da Vinci, yeah, he's he's just as much artist as engineer. A lot of people would argue he's more engineer than artist. And so we're going to study these people that really had a significant effect on engineering as we know it in the modern sense. And the great thing is, is we're going to get to be in the city where these folks were working. So. We'll study Da Vinci in the morning. We'll go to the Da Vinci Museum in the afternoon. We'll study Galileo in the morning. We'll go to the Galileo Museum in the afternoon. Did you travel abroad as as a student? Technically, yes. I did a co-op, and I lived in England for a summer. And while I was there, I I did some side traveling. Uh, That was a great experience, by the way. Just speak to that. I know I did that as a graduate student. Uh, Just talk about the value of a travel abroad experience. Yeah, it really opens your perspective on the world. It expands your understanding of, I think, primarily where you sit in the world and helps you to understand how you see things um, and how you may not see things. And I think it can just bring that valuable perspective. And that's part of the benefit of offering a program like this is to go somewhere else where they don't speak the same language. The architecture looks completely different. They might approach problems differently than than we do. They probably do. The people that lived 400 years ago most definitely did. And I'm sure that there's a lot practically to gain from that. It's really kind of no different than what was going on during the Renaissance, where 
the people in the 1500s were studying the ancient Greeks. And so we're, we're kind of similarly doing the same thing where uh, we're going to go where they were and we're going to study how they did things. So just going somewhere completely different, getting out of your own bubble, getting out of your comfort zone, uh, learning about different people and different cultures, I think can inform many areas of your life, including your technical abilities and, and what you do for a living, whether it be a civil engineer, mechanical engineer or whatnot. You're walking through Shelby Center. You're walking through Wiggins. Do you still every now and then get a look from one of the professors you had here, kind of like a don't get cocky kid kind of vibe from him? I Especially can't. with all these awards. <laughs> Not yet. No, 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 I haven't gotten that. No, people are talking. <laughs> <laughs> I should be on the lookout. Hey, listen, again, listen. you might yeah. want to bring that black belt and just <laughs> yeah, put it on. Seriously. Yeah. No, they've been great. They really have. Uh, really, it's it's been incredibly welcoming to come back and a little strange to go from being a student of a professor to to really now working as a colleague with a professor in some senses that's been quite strange but my practical experience has been that they've just welcomed me back adopted me as one of their own and really more than that I think uh volunteered to help a good bit and to help me get on my feet and get things going so it's been really just a fantastic experience for me in that sense what's the best biomechanics movie out there Oh, the Iron Man. Iron Man series, so. absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's the only one my, I can think of. My favorite thing with, with this whole uh, technology was the video games. I mean, that completely changed the way we played video games. I mean, it, it went from some, being something totally static to all of a sudden, you know, the, the football players at Auburn, when, when, back when we had NCAA football, right. EA Sports. Um, but, I mean, it completely made it real. Um, and, you know, I, just seeing some of the work you've done, uh, the Aubi video right. that, that we were, I mean, that's just so cool to see what you guys can be able to do and bring that to life and it help you better understand many things that are very pertinent to our lives. Yeah, that's a credit, I think, uh, in large part to Dr. Madsen, who you mentioned earlier, who pioneered a lot of this early technology that allowed us to capture the real motion of people doing various things, whether it be Gollum, someone mimicking Gollum, or whether it be Tiger Woods swinging a golf club. The ability to capture that motion, then incorporate that into animation, as opposed to having to try and build a complex model that maybe somewhat functions in such a way that looks like a human moving. That was a really big step, being able to take that motion and bring it in and animate based upon it. So uh, I agree. That's one of the more fascinating applications of biomechanics that I know of. You should hook some stuff up to Marcus. He does cage fit. Did you know that? I did not know that. It doesn't black, surprise black belt. Look, y'all could spar like over there, maybe. Please. Please let me get pads. video of this. He's got this elbow technique or something <laughs> right now. It's pretty awesome. But I can't wait. Thanks so much for uh, for coming in and, and being with us, and congrats on all the success. And thank you for representing the uh, all of our alma maters, actually, or the you know every every one That's of us. Right, because absolutely. it's like dudes like you. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll raise you a Zabala. So uh, anyway, thanks well, thank so you. much. Thank thanks you, Michael. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, War Eagle.